Mark Twain is reported to have said, the secret of getting ahead is getting started. Let that sink in for a second. He's also reported to have said that if it's your job to eat a frog, it's best to do it first thing in the morning. <laughs> and if it's your job to eat two frogs, it's best to eat the biggest one first. Yeah, Mark Twain. If, if you ever get a chance, go over there uh, to where his summer home was in New York State and visit that. Uh, we got the privilege to visit that one time a number of years ago. There was a lady, there's a lady by the name of Angela Duckworth who's written a book called Grit. No, I'm not talking about, you know, abrasive materials. Grit. She defines grit as perseverance and passion for long-term goals. Good book. Okay? It's worth reading. She suggests that grit is more important to success and accomplishment than talent. I've been in education pretty much all my life, since about five years old. No, I wasn't a professor at five years old. <laughs> Although my sisters did call me the absent minor professor when, even when I was a kid. But I've been in education a long time versus a student and, and now as a professor. And I have very rarely seen a student flunk out of school because of lack of intelligence. And I'm sure most of my colleagues would agree that those who flunk out of school usually do so because of lack of self-discipline. Call it diligence, call it grit, Call it perseverance, call it persistence, call it stubbornness. That's the term that's usually applied to me. Self-discipline, passion. Success comes as much through grit as it does through talent. Since I'm an Old Testament professor, of course, I'm going to preach out of the New Testament today. <laughs> And Dr. August will leave the challenge with you to cover the Old Testament on Thursday. Yeah. Let's go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm starting at the end of the book, and I'm going to work backwards. I don't know where that's in any homiletics book, but I'm going to do it anyways. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course, meaning a race course. I have kept the faith. Paul had grit. If you read about the life of Paul, 
And it's worth doing sometime. Go back and read through the book of Acts and pay attention to what Paul went through. Or read 2 Corinthians where he lists the things that he endured for the sake of the gospel. Paul had grit, persistence, and passion for long-term goals. He endured so much. In the verse just before it, notice verse 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Departure sounds so nice. You're going on a trip. It's time for the departure. He's talking about his death. He knows. Second Timothy, if I understand correctly, was probably the last letter that Paul wrote. He knows that this is the end. He's no longer under house arrest. This time he's in prison. And he's awaiting execution. And as a Roman citizen, he's, he's going to get off easy. They're just going to cut off his head. I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. That doesn't sound so bad. Some of you may remember the movie The Princess Bride. Funny movie. <laughs> you remember what Dread Pirate Roberts says to Wesley? Every night, good job, Wesley. Yeah, okay, fine. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> what did that do to Wesley? For him, eventually, it toughened him up. He began to reckon with the fact that he could die and he was just going to live as best he could, as long as he would. How would you feel if you knew your execution was imminent? Do you handle that? Paul could. Because he had grit. He had lived his life for Christ, and he knew the time had come. So let's back up another verse. But you, but you, Timothy, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Endure hardship. <laughs> If you've read The Hobbit, you know that hobbits are a comfort-loving people. The hobbits did not want to go on the adventure. They wanted to stay home and eat good food and enjoy the fireplace. We're a lot like the hobbits, aren't we? And Paul has to remind Timothy, his son in the faith, endure Hardship. Ugh, we don't like that.
ministry is certainly rewarding. And some of you are planning to go into full-time ministry. Some of you may not be going into full-time ministry, but I hope you are going into ministry. You may be a Sunday school teacher, a deacon, sharing your faith on the job. Endure hardship, and sometimes ministry is a hardship. It means doing funerals. It means comforting the hurting. It means hurting with them. My wife and I have often talked about how when we had someone in the church who really had a problem, and there was various kinds, that was all we could think about. That's all you can think about because you're hurting with them. Endure hardship. Let's take another step back. Let's go back to chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 15. Some of you probably know this verse in the old King James. Study to show thyself approved. I'm using the, the New American Standard this morning specifically because I like their translation of this verse. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed because he handles accurately the word of truth. I paraphrased that last line. Be diligent. What is diligence? Diligence is doing what needs to be done immediately and with intense effort. Do you know someone who's diligent? If they have an assignment for a class, they get it done. And it's done on time. And they're in class on time. They're careful to do what needs to be done. We used to tell our kids, delayed obedience is disobedience. Think about that for a moment. Dr. Ballard just talked about feeling the leading of the Spirit to do something. I, I agree, okay? But if you get this urge to get pizza at midnight, it may not be the leading of the Holy Spirit. I know there's some of you disappointed in that. Be diligent to show yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. When I was in high school, I was in the marching band. I played trumpet. Not well, but I played it. And we were in the marching band. And our marching band conductor was Mr. Henderson. And Mr. Henderson's saying was, early is on time, on time is late. I've heard others say that since then. But it's so true. 
with the marching band, if if you showed up, rehearsal was at uh, you know the practice was at six thirty. If you showed up at six thirty, were you on time or late? You were late because by the time you got your instrument out and assembled and warmed up and got on the field, you were late. Early is on time. On time is late. Be diligent to show yourself approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Diligence is doing what needs to be done immediately and with effort. Let's go back even earlier in the book. We'll go back to verses 3 and 4 of the same chapter. You've probably heard verse 2 somewhere. Somebody around here, I think, preached verse 2 one time. But look at verses 3 and 4. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Now think of the context of this. Suffer hardship all right, we've already seen endure hardship. Suffer hardship with me. And where is he? He's sitting in a Roman prison awaiting execution. In the context of the book, he's saying, Timothy, are you willing to go all the way. Will you endure to the end? Anybody can start a project. The test is who finishes. Endure hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Are you soldiers? We talk about the perseverance of a soldier. This is where the rubber meets the road. Oh, it's one thing to put the fancy uniform on. It's another thing to crawl through the dirt and try and crawl under the razor wire, isn't it? Endure hardship as a good soldier. There's a quotation from Napoleon. The first quality of a soldier is consistency in the endurance of fatigue and hardship. The first quality, in other words, the most important quality of a soldier according to one of the greatest generals who has ever lived is consistency in the endurance of fatigue 
and hardship. That hits me. Because I get tired and I won't go home and sit on the couch with my blankie. And you do too, I know. It's a truism in the martial arts that the more you sweat in practice, the less you'll bleed in battle. You can only fight. Miyamoto Musashi says, one of the greatest swordsmen of feudal Japan, you can only fight the way you practice. Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Enduring hardship then requires the second thing, which he gives in verse 4. Notice verse 4, he says, No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Now, here Paul states it negatively. Don't get entangled in the stuff of everyday life. Positively, what does that mean? Turn it around in your head. Focus on the job at hand. Endure hardship. How do you endure hardship? How do you live that way? You have to be focused on the goal, on the mission, on the job. Because if you start getting distracted by all kinds of other things, you won't finish the job. Not well. Don't get entangled in the affairs of this life. Now, it's true. We have things to take care of. Okay? You have to work a job. You have to go to the dentist. You have to take the kids to school. But what Paul is telling Timothy is, keep your eye on the goal. Know what you're going for. That's how you endure hardship. Jesus, for the glory that was set before him, endured the most barbaric form of execution perhaps that has ever been invented. His eye was on the goal. He knew what he came for. He knew why he was here. That's our example. That's focus. Endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. All through the book, Paul tells Timothy, to be strong, to be sober-minded, to guard the deposit 
of the truth that was given to him to courageously confront sin and doctrinal error. I would encourage you to go back this week sometime. Just four chapters. No. Yes, 2 Timothy, four chapters. 2 Timothy, four chapters. Read the book. But read it with the focus of what is Paul exhorting Timothy, his, apparently from the picture we get of Timothy, his quiet, timid son in the faith. What is he encouraging him? What is he exhorting him? Read through it, four chapters, take you about five minutes. Unless you read as slow as I do, then I'll take you ten. And think about that. Endure hardship. In a word, Paul is pushing Timothy to have grit. Perseverance and passion for long-term goals. It's something I see sadly lacking today. We tend to give up so easy. In the martial arts, there's two times when people tend to quit the martial arts. When they're a white belt, because they go to about three classes and they discover it's hard. <laughs> and that's not for them. But you know when the second most common time is for people to quit? In any art, I don't care whether you're talking about judo, karate, jujitsu, aikido, wing chun. It's at the brown belt level. You say, well, what's brown belt? You start out as a white belt, and you get a yellow belt, and then you get a green belt in our style. There's some other variations of this in different styles, but our style goes white, yellow, green, purple, brown, black. And the first levels are pretty easy. I mean, it's pretty easy to get a yellow belt. You're learning some basics. You're learning some basic moves. And it's not too strenuous yet. But by the time you test for brown belt, you've got to be pretty good. The, the, the steps are getting steeper. And that step up from brown belt to black belt is a tough one. A lot of students can, can advance one color every six months up to brown belt. You need to expect to spend a year and a half to two years as a brown belt before you make black. Because at brown belt, you really have to polish the moves to the point where they are automatic. How automatic? Like riding a bicycle. Do you have to stop and think about it when you get on a bicycle? Probably not. If you've been riding a bike for a while, yeah, you jump on the bicycle and you ride off. See, that's what brown belts do. And so many students, they hit brown belt and they realize it's going to be a big step up 
to that black belt. They really have to polish their techniques to the point where they're automatic. By the time they're a brown belt, they, all, they know all the basic moves. And they're getting pretty strong and pretty fast. But the grind of doing those stupid katas over and over and over. I, my teacher, he, he, he loved to say one more time. Once more, once more, one more time. And so many people, that's where they drop out. They drop out at brown belt just before they get the black belt because they don't have the grit to finish the job. Paul is saying, Timothy, ministry is a fight. Ministry is a race. Ministry can be hard. And Timothy knows where Paul is sitting at this moment as he reads this letter. In fact, by the time Timothy reads the letter, you realize Paul may be already gone. Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. You, Timothy, share with me, endure hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ. Grit. Our culture isn't into grit. Our culture is into easy. Our culture is into instant success. And coming up through the educational system, you've probably absorbed some of that. I exhort you today to have grit. Be diligent. Be disciplined. Do the job. Do what needs to be done and do it immediately and do it willingly and do it cheerfully. Perhaps some of you are thinking at this point, well, Dr. Ingalls, schoolwork really isn't that important. After all, C's get degrees. <laughs> yeah, some of you have heard that before. Let me suggest you think of it a different way. Every page you read, every paper you write, every assignment you do, every hour you spend in work study, is an investment of love in the lives of the people you will minister to down the road. You say, work study. Yeah, I clean toilets. <laughs> Good. In fact, more of you need to volunteer to clean toilets and change light bulbs. You know how I got through seminary? No, I didn't clean toilets. Not very often. I plunged them. <laughs> I worked in the electrical shop. I did air conditioning. I did electrical. 
Sometimes I had to do plumbing because they used whoever was handy. The skills you learn, even in work study, they make a difference. I made it through seminary, working in the, in the seminary maintenance shop. But you know what? You know how many times I've used those electrical skills? Over and over and over. No, I've, I have not replaced an electrical panel or a service drop since seminary. But I've put in ceiling fans. I've helped wire microphones in the church. Uh, I, of course, change light bulbs all the time. That's what dads do, right? I have used those skills. And you say, well, yeah, but some of the things we do in classes, I'll probably never use. No. Maybe, but you might be surprised at what you'll use. And the things that you might not use in your particular ministry might be the very thing that one of your classmates will need in their ministry. See, we can't tell where you're going. When I was a freshman in college, I never would imagine not to be standing here. Never in my life. I was a botany major. I was pretty good at growing plants. Talk to people, are you kidding me? No way. You don't know where God will take you. I've seen men who would have said, I, I, I could never be a pastor. And they're a pastor. You don't know where God is going to take you. Endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ. Be diligent now. Consider everything you do an investment in the lives of the people you will minister to in the future. And somehow God will give you what you need for that ministry. We can't prepare you for everything. Every... When I, when I was at seminary, both as a student and, and teaching in a seminary, you know, you'd hear students, they'd fill out these surveys, you know, how effective is the school? You know, would you recommend somebody go to the school you went to? One of the com complaints that would often come up is, well, they didn't prepare me for everything. No kidding. We can't prepare you for everything. We try and teach you a little bit of everything and teach you how to learn so that wherever you go, you can take up from there and by the grace of God, do what needs to be done. Regard everything you do as an investment in the lives of the people you will serve. And that may mean some of you need to volunteer to work housekeeping or maintenance. 
because maybe there are some skills you could learn. Some of you may have seen the old John Wayne movie, True Grit. Young woman goes to the big city to try and settle the affairs of her father who was murdered there in the big city by the bad guy. And she's a feisty little thing. You seen the movie? I'm not talking about that, that remake, okay? I'm talking about the original John Wayne. And she, she tracks down and hires this crusty old marshal by the name of Rooster Cogburn to go after the bad guy and get justice for her father. And, of course, she insists on going along. But why does she choose him? She says she's heard he has true grit. Yeah, don't take long to figure out John Wayne's got grit. <laughs> but by the end of the movie, you realize the title is not just about Rooster Cogburn. Because that girl has grit. Do you have grit? Grit can make the difference between finishing a class and walking away from school. Grit can make the difference between talent and success. Let's pray. Father, Thank you so much for the example of Paul, for this exhortation to Timothy. We pray, Lord, that we would take it to heart today. And whether we want to call it discipline or diligence or grit, we pray that we would, like Timothy, endure hardship as good soldiers of Christ Jesus.